Hello and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and partner, Alex McNamara. Uh, hey. Top of the afternoon, evening, Alex. How are you? Top of the day to you. Top of the day. I'm good. I'm very good. It's pouring with rain here, which is very welcome, apparently, in, in Oregon. I I like the, uh, the LA-ness when I was there of the sprinkling of rain sometimes. And now it's just, you know, welcomed rain. I feel like I'm 60 years old. Well, I think our listeners are actually pretty tired of us just you know, harping on our weather on the West Coast and for wagging for, on for once, we uh, have someone here who uh, can't complain about their weather too much, I guess. But uh, we're joined by a longtime friend um, and uh, a resident Australian at this point, um, our friend Charles. Um, Charles is joining us from Melbourne. Um, and uh, well, Charles, welcome to the show, first of all, and uh, tell us about what you're seeing outside your window. Thanks. Uh, actually, uh, well, it's winter here, um, which always uh, kind of, I, I still struggle coming from the Northern Hemisphere to, it's, you know, almost June and, um, and it's winter and it's a bit, bit chilly out there, but beautiful weather for, for me. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great being here. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting about all of this. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, and today's uh, show is going to take our usual ad talk format where we talk about things that are sort of marketing related. Uh, but we're going to give it an Australian twist, basically run through some of our favorite topics, uh, but get your perspective on what they look and sound like in uh, Down Under. Uh, but to level set, because um, as much as we know about Australia, it's still its own unique beast with its own uh, homegrown brands and its own kind of marketing culture. Um, can you give us an idea of sort of like, what are the foundational brands that um, uh, that exist in, in Australia? Like what are the Coca-Cola and McDonald's equivalents uh, there? Yeah, um, it's... Uh... It, 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 it's interesting when you first move over, um, you've all obviously got all of your classics, um, but uh, Vegemite is obviously um, the love or hate um, product <laughs> yes. in Australia. Um, Alex, uh, for, for, for it's sort of the equivalent of the Marmite in, in the UK, except it's, um, but, it's but less better. good. But less good. No, no, it's, less good? Uh, it, it's, it's got a thicker <laughs> consistency. It's easier to spread. Um, much, much nicer. Hearing you, t- um, hearing so, yeah, you guys argue one. about garbage food is. <laughs> what did you think of the the Tom Hanks Vegemite scandal that happened? What like this time last year? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm familiar with that one. Was that when he was in um, on the Gold Coast and he caught COVID? Yeah, he got quarantined and he put a picture out of him ex- like tr- experimenting with Vegemite and he apparently he put way too much on and everyone went bananas at him and he still references it to this day of his mistake in Australia or something like that where he got he got told that's, off. That's fantastic. I mean, honestly, it's um I, I think we all make that rookie error when we first move over and you layer it because it kind of ha- it kind of looks like a, a sort of darker, thicker Nutella. And then you, you put it on, but it's extremely strong. So that's that's probably a, a big one. Um, another one which uh, actually, um, uh, you know, has been laid to rest in peace is um, is Holden. Um, so mm-hmm. Holden is uh, the classic Australian car. Um, if you if you watch the old movies, it, it's it's kind of the equivalent of Ford. Um, and um, and the logo that it, the logo that would be more recognisable across the world is the likes of Vauxhall. 
Um, so, but the original brand is Hayes Holden. Um, but that one was a, it was a very, very big deal when they, um, when they did, when General Motors decided to pull the brand out, out of, uh, of Australia, uh, well, generally just kill the brand. Um, and, uh, and it's just still a classic. When you walk around Australia, it is a classic seeing the Holden Utes and um, the Holden Commodores. Um, it's, you know, Australia's never going to be the same without that brand. Um, and, uh, and no Australian um, brand, like no, no true Australian would be Australian if we didn't have uh, a beer brand that um, represents the country. So, um, uh, so you know, it, abroad people all think it's Foster's and, um, and, and that might've been the case in the early days. Um, but, uh, but no, I would, I would say that really the marquee brand for, for beer is, um, is Victoria Bitter, BB. Um, BB. And uh, BB, it's, uh, you know, you see it on all the, the cricket caps that the, um, the, right. the old school cricketers used to have. And, um, and honestly, for a while, it, you know, it, it's kind of that, it's become ultra hipster. Like it, it's kind of mm-hmm. having a bit of a revival, but it's meant to be the working man's beer. Um, but um, it's undrinkable. But you know, when uh, when I, I, w- I was going, I was waiting to ask you because the minute you try Australian beer that is not Foster's, you're like, I mean, how do they drink this garbage? I guess it explains why they eat Vegemites too. But like, it is awful. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, um, the Australian beer um, industry has had um, has had a really good um, sort of past ten years. Um, mm-hmm. when I when I left London, um, Gosha to to move over here, I actually moved over to work at MediaCom on um, Carlton United Breweries, which at the time was owned by SAB Miller and is now part of um, Anheuser-Busch InBev. Um, and, um, and actually the Australian beer industry is really good. So you got your old classics that are, you know, let's, let's call a spade a spade like piss. Um, and you know, that's your Fosters, your four X's, your VBs and the likes, but, um, yeah. but they X, have yeah. some really decent, yeah, four X, that's right. Um, they've got some really decent craft beers now. And then the, the beer industry here around IPAs, especially in Melbourne, um, the microbreweries has really sort of taken on the American, um, the American style. Um, and, and they're everywhere, man. Like I actually live just across a, a microbrewery. It's fantastic pretty dangerous actually but um yeah <laughs> well um so i'd for... say those are probably the big three ones um yeah you, you probably you probably also can throw uh brands that are sort of seen a little bit more globally like Qantas, for instance right because that's sort of the face of australia for a long time um and, a, and probably a few more um that i'm i'm forgetting right now but um it's surprising that for a country of only about what 30 40 million people um it's got quite the last 25 25 i stand corrected it's got quite yeah. the international foot, <laughs> footprint even, even even the microphone i'm speaking into which is road is an australian brand and something that they uh managed to um make pretty popular here so thanks for giving us that foundation i think we can kind of dive knowing this we can sort of dive into some of the other topics uh and kind of reference some of these brands as we go along yeah so sure. i wanted to start off with a with a uh, an ad talk favorite of ours the streaming services and the streaming wars as people have heard me talk ad nauseum about them we are having every single studio is now coming out with its own version of a streaming thing which you all have to now they want you to all buy so you have too many streaming services with only a handful of things that you actually want to watch um 
So like here, like Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, uh, Discovery Plus, Epics, Epics Now, uh, HBO Max, uh, Peacock, uh, Peacock Premium, uh, to name but a few. Um, they're all the ones in the US. Uh, do you have the same streaming services in Australia, or do, and you, are you are you seeing the same streaming wars happening um, down under? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so we've got all of your classics: um, Netflix, Prime, um, Disney Plus has come in with a, a, a vengeance. Um, but yeah, we, you also have all of the, uh, the the normal networks here that are um, I- embarking on, on this journey as well. Um, the big ones um, that have been around for a while, um, main ones probably called Stan. Um, so the, 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 way, the way I actually look at it is um, each one of these localized services um, buy the rights for different networks from the US, for example. So Stan, you find a lot of Showtime shows on that. Um, and then um, you've got you've got Foxtel, um, which is um, like Fox, pretty much. It's the sort of cable service, and they they've sort of they they tried a bunch of things like Foxtel Now, um, and then they bought a, a, a sports streaming service, and and actually they've actually split that out. So you you now have Foxtel Now, but that can also be split out into Binge, which is basically HBO. To so binge.com.au, you've got Ko, which is for sports. Um, and then you have all of your just your standard, um, you know, broadcasters on demand like Nine Now, which is Channel Nine, Ten Play, which is Channel Ten. Um, those are free though, but um, all the others you've got to pay for. Um, what else? I'm actually I'm actually signed up for so many of them. Sky I'm is, 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 is Sky in Australia? Yeah, so Sky is in Australia, but more on a Sky News perspective, and they're actually part of the Foxtel family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Foxtel is really like the big sports. It's it's kind of the Sky equivalent here um, as well. Uh, Apple is trying to make a bit of a, a move in the space. Uh, Apple TV, but um, I, I love my Apple TV subscription because you know I pay seven bucks a month for whatever it is, and then every three weeks I just get an email from Apple saying, "Hey, we've given you eight bucks of credit." I'm like, "Cool, I'll uh, I'll, right. I'll take some free <laughs> stuff from Apple when that." That never happened. So, um, no, um, yeah, lots of streaming wars. I, I kind of feel like there's a few sleeping giants in there. Um, uh, for me, really, I, I, I would put my chips on on Prime, um, personally. Um, really blowing stuff out of the water. They're cheap. They're growing their content. I think they're one of those that everybody's freaking out about Disney Plus, but I think Prime is the one that's going to win long term. That's my that's my call today on the 21st of May. 21. <laughs> are um, any of these services uh, ad supported or a kind of a combination where you pay, but there's also advertising um, uh, available, I guess, to buy and also for viewers to consume? Um, most of them aren't. And I actually think the ones where you do have ads um, are uh, mostly it's, it's ads for, the, for their own content. Um, the main one I can actually think of that is a, a, a paid for service that does network, which is Foxtel on, on TV, you get your ads there. But KO, which is the sports streaming, um, is actually, uh, yeah, they, they have ads. Um, it, it's pretty much your everything. It's your ESPNs, your 
your Fox Sports, it's all of your sports channels on there. And it, it, it gives you access to pretty much every sport you could possibly think of, except um, I'm a Pacers fan and, um, and you never actually get Pacers games on there because they're not good enough. So you only actually get the big the big teams um, where, <laughs> and you only get a Pacers game if they're playing the Lakers or, oh, or, 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 you Warriors. know, like the Heat or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing for football. Same thing for football, you know? So, um, uh, gosh, you know this, but I'm, I'm married to um, uh, someone who's from Indiana. So, um, so I've got to follow the Pacers and the Colts and we never get to see those games because no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, the cult, the Colts, maybe, but yeah, the pace is barely, barely, mate. <laughs> <laughs> one, uh, one thing that's been happening here with, uh, with streaming, interestingly, and just kind of like content in general is, um, the big telcos like AT&T, like Verizon, they've all made moves to acquire media companies. AT&T famously three years ago acquired Time Warner, which owns HBO and a bunch of others. And as recently as this week. Uh, they announced that they're going to be essentially spinning that off because that failed. They they did not succeed as a media holding company. Um, it was a prediction that many made back when the acquisition was made because um, outside of Comcast, uh, probably none of these companies have been really successful in managing media acquisitions. Um, I'm curious just um, in, in what you've described, it seems like a lot of the traditional media giants are in Australia are the ones who are going into these streaming um, wars. But uh, do you have um, telcos like Telstra, for instance, and uh, others um, who might be um, who might be uh, willing to experiment with that? Uh, I think you guys are back. Sorry, uh, my uh, being down under does come with uh, some limited internet speed. Um, no worries. Uh, that's I, actually I, a pretty funny topic. Uh, they they implemented something called NBN, which is meant to be the you know the, the fast internet because we until a couple of years ago we were still on ATSL, believe it or not, um, and uh, and it's been a total failure. Uh, not a total failure, but they've spent billions and billions of dollars, and it's just become a running joke that it just doesn't work. So uh, I'll uh, I'll have to ask you to repeat the question if that's all right. Absolutely, um, not a problem. Yeah. Um, I uh, the the short of the question is: Do the telcos uh, like Telstra, for instance, um, have have they made any inroads into uh, media kind of content ownership and uh, streaming services, or are they keeping to their own turf? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my favorite, um, my favorite one for for this is uh, a while. It was, um, it would have been the the World Cup, I believe. It was it was one of the major sporting events. I, I don't think it was the Olympics. It was definitely the World Cup um, three years ago, four years ago. Um, Optus, which is kind of like a a, a low cost um, telco here, um, bought the the exclusive rights for the World Cup streaming and it just failed phenomenally like that like all the games like the, the their network kept crashing people couldn't see the games um and uh, yeah there was a huge backlash there um that's really the main one i think the telstras and vodafones and um and offices of the world um what we mostly see in the media industry is them making more of a play um partnering with um with audience partners um and and utilizing more um of that um 
and and if they really are ta- taking a, a play in in the content or streaming area it's really more as a partner not as an owner um mm-hmm. mostly um yeah no they they've steered quite clear of that there's been no sort of big at&t um time warner um equivalent um in the last few years um that i can think of um so yeah it's very much still quite segmented to the more classic um you know the broadcasters that are launching their platforms and 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 those who who where it was a natural play um mm-hmm. that, that have sort of stick, stuck there um but well, hey we do have a stadium called marvel so um i don't know like what's uh i don't know what's gonna happen there um i expect some superheroes playing footy next week i don't know let's see <laughs> <laughs> on that on that uh content topic um in in the US, where this, I mean, streaming is having to battle almost directly with att- people's attention spans on social, and the big the big new one is TikTok, um, and like they're how they position themselves is they're not a second screen experience, they're um, they're like a first screen experience. They're you know they TikTok is notorious for having sound on when you open it, um, and it and they want to make it your full um, attention when when they uh when when you're on it so it's not like you're watching tv and you're scrolling tiktok it's supposed to be just tiktok um they've been fighting very hard for the number one uh, sort of like downloads per week downloads per month um they mean i mean everywhere has tiktok now we've talked a lot about this and how they have done their sort of like organic organic strategy which is to let everyone put their tiktok videos on facebook and instagram um to get people to eventually get back to the app which i think works um ha- has that been the same with you guys um has tiktok been quite as infectious as it is over here yeah for sure i mean the, the whole open the app and it's sound on immediately such a gen <laughs> z thing isn't it <laughs> it's kind of oh, like it's... yeah um yeah tiktok's um tiktok TikTok has been as successful in Australia as everywhere else. Um, uh, It has been mostly in the younger demographics, obviously. Um, It it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Snap launched um, here and it was all about Snap. It was all about Snap. And and now I barely hear about Snap anymore and it's all about TikTok. So... um, um, To be honest, uh, yeah, it's, it's taken the world by storm. But I wouldn't say, it, 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 and maybe it's because the world I'm in, it's 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 not as as relevant, and I, I just don't see it as much. But I don't feel like it's been as as big of a wave as it might have been in in the US, for example, where there's this huge fight. Um, there was a lot of controversy around the fact that they were, you know, um, part owned by um, uh, China and, and and a bunch of things there, and and everything around the data um, protection and privacy and um, and obviously, you know, Australia um, at the moment, um, their uh, their lovebird relationship with China is a little bit um, uh, <laughs> a little yeah. bit rocky right now. So, um, look, um, honestly, um, yeah, it's 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 been noticeable, but I wouldn't say it's it's sort of changed the game from my perspective. When when they sure. launched, did did they um, did they did they go in like through the back door of another of another company? Like because like in the US they were they bought musically and over the course of several months they basically changed the UI within the app to match the TikTok app and then did a rebrand and just like reskinned it all and went in with a big fanfare. Did or did they go in as TikTok 
off the back of you know the global wave no i'm pretty sure they just came in as tiktok we're here guys like yeah we own it but um they definitely soft launched in a way where there wasn't it was it, it was honestly it was almost a play-by-play of what i remember snap being where snap existed um but it was it was really basic at first and there was maybe just one person on the ground and then boom it just like grew um their their representation here and, and tiktok to me it, it feels kind of the same um uh, it was it was very much um soft launch there was maybe one person here that replied to pretty much everything and then now they've really really scaled um their team um and their business development um squads here so um yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit of a lagging effect in terms of, of TikTok taking sort of the, the space by storm. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really interesting space to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what happens there. Is it becoming uh, a consideration for you and your you know peers in the advertising industry in terms of a platform to invest in um, media dollar wise? Yeah. So um so uh, since I've been out of the uh, out of the agency game and more on the, on the product side of things, it's definitely something that we keep an eye on as uh, from an ex- execution standpoint. Um, I think it is something that's definitely considered for anything that has um, younger demographics for sure. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 I don't think that a planning team would be doing their role properly if they actually weren't taking these guys seriously in terms of having a look at the metrics and how they're going to plan that out and how that works back to um, you know, the, the, the cost per whatever engagement or, or view, whatever they want, want, want to do. Um, in, in my area, which is more automotive, um, it would probably be more of a bit of a stunt play TikTok, to be honest, mm. um, at the, at the moment. And, um, and my previous, uh, the, the previous role where I was, at, um, with, with alcohol, um, we'd probably want to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but for sure, if uh, if you're more on the entertainment side or more on the on the um, on the younger um, areas that tap tap into that younger demographic, um, I, I am what I'm hearing from my agency mates that yeah, it's definitely a consideration for sure. Um, yeah. So um, sort of staying in the area of controversy surrounding big uh, media and social companies, uh, Australia ma- uh, made some uh, global headwaves um, or headlines, I guess. Uh, when they decided to take on Facebook and Google, um, specifically in an attempt to protect um, content and news owners uh, in uh, in the country, um, can you can you just give us a little bit of like a summary of of, of what all of that was and uh, how it ultimately played out, and maybe also how it was viewed by the you know by the public. Uh, yeah. Um, so it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind, um, from, from my, from my perspective, it kind of, it's all everybody could talk about. And then they kind of reached an agreement and and it disappeared. Um, yeah, Australia, Australia is very, what's, what's really fascinating about Australia. And it's, it's also something that I, I see, um, being, way beyond the 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 media spaces they're really all about protecting themselves and and we've seen this play out in so many different ways um and and maybe an australian would say differently whereas i'm i'm an immigrant um but you know we we noticed it with 
um, with COVID, and I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, where like, you know, our borders are still shut, like we can't leave the country, no one's coming in. Um, we, we, we really, and, you know, we really just protect, um, protect ourselves here and just make sure that we weather any storm. Uh, the GFC barely impacted Australia. Um, we just had the shortest recession of all time, you know, hadn't been in a recession in like 30 years and it was in recession for six weeks and then boom up, we're out. Cool. Thanks guys. On to the next one. Um, so it's, it's a pretty fascinating country when it comes to that actually. Um, and the, the way I, the way I think it was perceived was, um, good on them. You know, good on them for standing up to the the big global tech, and good on them for for trying to call out, um, you know, these practices that aren't um, necessarily, uh, you know, ethical, possibly. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think the outcome wasn't what they wanted. I think, um, you know, the the risk for the publishers, because um, it wasn't really the government per se, it was kind of the government and the publishers, but it was probably more driven by the publishers themselves. I think they realized that the trade-off um, wasn't worth the the risk. Um, so uh, so it kind of ended up, I think they found a middle ground. Um, the deep, like, I mean, I try to read through all of the the sort of outcomes and, and the paper, the white papers they wrote, but it was, it was pretty tedious to be honest <laughs> and sort of where, where they landed. Um, but um, yeah, I think they found a middle ground, um, but the support was pretty strong. Um, I feel in, in, in the media industry specifically um, saying, yeah, look like we really need this to be a fair value exchange. Facebook and Google are getting a lot out of this, out of mm -hmm. having news content on the platform Um and, um, and I think it, even though maybe the outcome wasn't exactly what um, either the government or, or, or the publishers wanted, um, I actually feel that it was a really good way to basically call out big tech and go, guys, like, you're already ruling enough. Like, you know, you gotta, you got to give the smaller players a bit of a chance here. Like, this isn't a dictatorship. Like, you got to play the game. Like, you gotta, you, you got to be reasonable. And, um, and, and I think that that's what people saw. Um, that's what I saw. Personally. Do you um? Do you How have did you guys see it? I mean, kind of, that... kind of that, but kind of, kind of the opposite, which was Australian government tries to take on Google and Facebook. Um, and and you know, when I just listened to, I think it was on NPR, so there was sort of central left leaning, um, but it was it was kind of a a shock that a government was taking on facebook and google in quite such a um commercial way in in that they were really looking at the the monetary value and the, and the you know the exchange of content for cash because google and facebook are making money from people being there they're making money from ads because people are there looking at content so the pre-rolls mid-rolls and bumpers and, and whatnot um they're all getting ad dollars from that and that's taking away from the ads ad dollars that the the publishers are going to get so I, I get it i think it makes i think it makes a lot of sense and google and facebook make billions and billions and billions every day so why shouldn't they license content in the same way as you know the streaming services have to license content um yeah so yeah but, 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 but we, I, I think but, it was more on a U.S. companies getting challenged by Australian government, but I think I, I think what like was re really weird is the outcome is that um, Rupert Murdoch's 
group is the one that ended up walking away with the billions from from these companies right like i think it was meant to protect like the you know the, the smaller, smaller players, the, yeah. the smaller players and and it was uh him who got like the billion dollar check from with either facebook or google so yeah, the, um the, 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 the end result kind of was a little bit of a farce yeah yeah it was um but uh, yeah, I suppose every change starts with with a few few failures like that. And and but actually, I I do think that them being called out for profiting for free off content and um and and work that other platforms like I mean you know I think there's a, there's an argument for both sides. You know mm. the the reach that these publications are getting um is is far superior than what they would be getting without um. Facebook and, and the likes and so therefore they should be monetizing their own um, uh, you know uh, entity and and that and that's good enough but uh, I do also feel like if you're going to be monetizing say um, you know the video um, of the, that a, a news publisher publishes then um, then maybe there should be a bit of a revenue share or you get a cut from it like there, there's an argument for yeah. both um, I don't think we're done with this I think that mm-hmm. especially like big tech continues to just grow and grow and grow and grow. And there's just going to come a point um, whether they break them up or not. Like it, it, this isn't, I don't think this is the last time we see this. I think this is just going to come back around at some point, I, maybe not Australia, yeah, like Europe. I'm calling Europe as the next one. Yeah. I think, I think it's the beginning. I think, you know, you've seen, you can see in the U S even now that they're starting to, to clue in on how quite how big and quite how powerful um these the big tech companies are but i think you're right europe will, will be next to try and call this out and i think then the us um will be last because there's too much money flow, flowing through politics to make this um to, to make it viable until you get a next wave of younger um government politicians in order to actually understand what's going on um to actually make change that's right yeah for sure. That's right. You heard it here, May twentieth. <laughs> um. So. Oh uh, yeah, wanna... that's right. It's yesterday for you guys. It is. Yeah, it's tomorrow for <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. We're talking to the future. Um, <laughs> um. One thing that I I learned when I moved to the U.S. almost five and a half years ago, um, was the Super Bowl. And quite, I'd heard of the Super Bowl and, and Super Bowl ads before, but quite how um, frenzied it gets in in the lead up to to February, um, with all of the you know the big players at, who are sponsoring, and also the non sponsors uh, with the the big game um, being the the gearing their advertising towards you know the most amount of eyeballs in one in one program per year. What and they know England sort of then took this on with with Christmas and John Lewis and Mark Spencer's Waitrose running their ads um, as the Christmas is the Super Bowl. What's what's the equivalent if there is one in Australia that like everyone has their eyes on to release like this year's best ad? Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't think that there's one specific moment. I think there's a few, um, and sports obviously plays a very central. Um, uh, uh, play in that um, I mean Aussies love sports I mean it is like next level they love they love sports so much so that in the state of Victoria which is where Melbourne is we actually get two public holidays a year because of a sporting event 
So you get Mel- <laughs> <laughs> you, you get the day of Melbourne Cup, um, which is a horse race. So that's a public holiday. Wow. Um, wow. And it's the race that stops the nation, right? So, um, so pretty much like even the states where they don't get a public holiday, like no one's expected to work really. Like it's pretty well known that like people that's are just going to go out and do spring carnival parties, Melbourne Cup parties. And then the other one we have here in, in Melbourne is, um, is the Australian football rules final. And so we get that, we, we get, we get the, the Friday off um, of that weekend just because, you know, footy. Um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, there's um, spring carnival, which is the, the horse racing time is obviously a very big time for advertising um, a, a lot around, um, you know, sports betting, um, stuff. Like, I mean, the Melbourne Melbourne Cup Day is the single largest betting day in Australia. And Aussies love to gamble on everything. I mean, you can gamble on what the hat, the, the Queen's hat's colour is going to be, like who the winner of MasterChef is going to be or Survivor or whatever. Like, it's not just sports. You can bet on absolutely everything, which um, which I, I thought was like pretty standard. Gosh, you know, in the UK, it's pretty it's pretty funny in that in that yes. way, too. Maybe not quite as yeah. extreme as here. But, um, but, you know, my, my wife was like, that's crazy. That would never be allowed in the U.S. Or it wasn't when she used to live there anyways. Um, so I'd say Spring Carnival is a big one. Lots of money goes into that. Um, the AFL, um, so Australian Football League, um, that's a, a, a massive, massive, massive reach um, across the country. Like it's like a religion, especially in the in the state of Victoria, pretty much in, in every single state apart from Queensland. Um uh, Australian football is massive. Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever seen Australian football? What it looks like? Yeah, I've, I've watched. I've watched things. There are there are posts. They're running and bouncing and and the the fisty fisty hissing. <laughs> yeah. It, and then and then and then there's like big hits. And I understand big hits and short shorts. That's my key takeaway. Yeah. And that's yeah, I don't understand anything about it. There's like big and uh, big guys in tank tops and short shorts running around with a with a football but like like a america rugby ball shaped ball bouncing it and I, I, I honestly i any american listening to this go and watch just like the highlights reel of a game it makes zero sense it's nothing it's, it's, no bru- sense. it's, it's, it's a brutal sport too yeah it's played yeah. in an oval an oval why is it an oval <laughs> yeah so there's an interesting history to that um the the I mean you know the leg the I don't know if it's actually true but what people say is uh, um it's played in the oval because it's a sport that was basically invented to keep cricketers fit during winter um oh and so obviously crickets played in, in in an oval and um and so yeah they just used the pitch and and played it but yeah it's it's pretty much a hybrid between soccer um rugby uh gaelic football i mean it, it's crazy and yeah the hit the hits are quite big and you know these guys they just wear a tank top and like no tops no no um uh, no padding and um and they just run into each other at high speed and they're yeah it's pretty it's pretty physical so um but like the afl season is it's huge for reach and and getting those um those really uh culturally relevant um adds in um and and you know that's that's probably massive christmas is also a big one but bit bit weird um because it's obviously the height of summer so um we've had some pretty interesting um it's pretty interesting seeing 
what the the ads are do you obviously get your international ads that like translate from the northern hemisphere which is full of snow and everybody's like it's 40 degrees or 100 degrees fahrenheit outside like <laughs> this makes no sense but you know audi have audi have done a pretty a few funny ones and they came here and they were trying to disrupt the supermarket um, industry where they had like <laughs> they basically had this ad where all these santas were surfing um like with like just massive waves and just surfing and and that that was quite fun um and then i think the the other one um which which brings in um yeah probably some really really cultural moments is but it's also very controversial is australia day which is kind of like your fourth of july but um you know there's there's a big thing around um lamb ads uh, during australia day and it's like how are you going to eat your lamb like your roast lamb mm-hmm. um so uh so so those ones can be pretty funny actually um i, I recommend you guys look those up one right. uh, any any <laughs> one, lamb ads okay <laughs> one uh thing that i noticed that was super different with your neighbors to the southwest is uh new zealand is their singular focus seems to be rugby um oh and, yeah and, and anytime the all blacks play especially the rugby world cup the country stops is that to the same extent with australian the wallabies no no uh what's really interesting is i thought i was moving to a rugby union loving nation and actually uh 90 of the country doesn't really care about rugby union which is really? the wallabies um wow yeah yeah which is quite <laughs> interesting um you know the, the two main states that really do rugby union are new south wales which is where sydney is and queensland which is what most people know as the east coast it's all your beautiful beaches and tropical weather and it's pretty much the postcard um uh but but yeah no really the sports here that are probably the most popular are um australian rules football cricket um and um and rugby league which is um uh, it's a different type of rugby. It's 13 people instead of 15 players, but rugby league. So one of the big events is, um, is called state of origin. And, um, and that's massive. Like they make, they make a big deal out of it on TV and, um, and it, it, it's a pretty big, big cultural moment every year as well. But yeah, footy finals, state of origin, Melbourne cup, like all of these sporting a- events are, are massive, like there is no one super bowl. We've got plenty of super bowls. It's kind of like how it feels yeah. like every, Oh, and of course, like, how can I forget the Australian open and you know, the, the grand prix, like all of these are all really cultural moments, especially when you live in Melbourne. Um, it's just fantastic. Like you, you just walk, it, it's pretty much in the city itself. Right. Like I don't think there's any other city in the world where you get that. Um, but yeah, the Oz open was, is, is, is phenomenal too. Really great advertising um, opportunity. Uber Eats have really been um, like taking advantage of that the past couple of years. Um, yeah, yeah. So m- more so several moments than, than one particular one like the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, to kind of wrap up with this sort of final question, um, obviously the last, the last year and a half has been very different. Um, I know Australians love to travel, love to travel internationally. We always, when you travel, you see Aussies, um, everywhere. And it's, um, I think it also speaks to kind of the connection to the rest of the world that Australians have, um, as the borders you mentioned your, uh, yourself earlier were, you know, were shut, um, 
pretty pretty hardcore shut right um i think there's only recently that you guys have opened uh, travel between new zealand and australia um has the messaging at all changed um with uh with with what the brands are saying about um you know about everything given that the life um you guys are experiencing is very different from what it was before but it's also very different from the rest of the world because as you mentioned you guys were spared some of the worst um of what covid delivered to the rest of the world yeah i mean very yeah that's a very good question um honestly it's really been the the pure messaging especially from a tourism perspective has been you know travel locally um and um the even even you know the new zealand australia sort of travel bubble um big deal but i, I don't think it's actually hit its stride yet in terms of volume but um but definitely local travel has taken a hit but has significantly recovered um we're, we're heading actually to the northern territory um next week so for those who don't know it's um it's basically the outback um it's uh but it's the tropical outback so the northern territory basically has two bits it's got your tropical outback and it's got your desert outback um with uluru which is like the big rock in the middle of the desert it's a big red um, planes and then at the top which is where we're going it's sort of more of your uh your croc infested um you know like sort of rainforests and and stuff like that with with a, a peppering of desert um like you know that that area is normally like you know it, there's some tourism but it's pretty quiet still like it's it's not the east coast of, of the country but i mean they're fully booked for everything like it's it's crazy like you know you got to get ahead like three months ahead like local tourism is really really booming um but the, as you know there's only 25 million of us and i think um i don't have the numbers on hand but i'm pretty sure like the total number of, of tourists that come every year is probably at least that if not more than that um so so there's definitely some pain being felt there um uh, in, in terms of the rest like to be honest we we've kind of just been a little bit we've just really been on the sidelines um the vaccine rollout is obviously a bit of a mess here because it just isn't really that sense of urgency it's kind of <laughs> we're feeling it um but um yeah it, honestly i hate to say it but um it was really bad between march and like november um in 2020 or october 2020 and then it's it's almost kind of been life at life's pretty normal apart from the fact you can't travel internationally um anymore it was a pretty big deal being able to travel locally again taking flights and stuff but um you know the day-to-day -day is kind of pretty much 90 percent there as to what it was before so um very very different experience to all my friends that i speak to in you know europe and in the u.s um and um, yeah, I, I do think though, it sounds like the borders are still going to be shut until mid next year. Um, it's kind of what the government's saying, like before it's fully open. Um, so w some of us are definitely feeling that, but it's a massive country, right? It's a continent. So there's a lot to see and there's a lot to do in the meantime. And they're really encouraging people to do that. Um, so lots of tourism advertising. Um, I think the main the main bodies that are sort of having a little being a bit more vocal are the airlines, your Qantas and your, your Virgins. Um, the Virgin actually went bust during the, the COVID, right. um, yeah. the, the COVID thing and, and, and got bought by private equity. And, and so I think they're obviously pushing to reopen because uh, otherwise that was a terrible investment. Uh, 
Um, uh, but you know, like um, it's it's been really difficult on the tourism industry. But they're 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 trying to really put a positive spin on it and say, hey, like come here, travel locally, um, spend some time in your own country, um, and let's recover here before we actually go internationally. That's uh, that's a very interesting and kind of very different perspective uh, than I think what um, what we've been getting here because the messaging I think here and in Europe has mostly focused on stay safe. Stay home. Don't go anywhere. Do, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't go anywhere. Don't mix. Uh, but yeah, it's... that was that was definitely last year. But I mean, you know, um, we the only place I need to wear a mask nowadays is public transport, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, uh, you, you know, lucky like... bastard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Restaurants are open. Like, I I'm. We, there were capacity limits for a while. I actually think those might have been lifted now, to be honest. Like, we're, we're pretty much reopened. Like, no, no masks anymore, no social distancing. Ubers and public transport are the only places where I, I need to wear a mask nowadays. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's very different experience for sure. We, we were given a glimpse of it when you guys hosted the Australian Tennis Open in, was it January or February? And it was the height of the height of craziness here. And everyone around was like waltzing with, uh, without masks and having drinks. And, you know, like COVID was the thing that the tennis players may have brought with them from abroad, but like not really a domestic concern. So a very different life, but hey, you guys managed it well. Um, and um, on that note, you know, we also just wanted to say thanks for um, joining us on this pod, uh, sharing your perspective, sharing your experience. I think it was uh, really interesting to see, uh, you know, there's clearly similarities, there are clearly differences between how the Australian um, marketing world uh, looks like from, from the inside versus what we get to see from the outside, but also uh, similarities to what we see here ourselves. So Charles, again, um, our gratitude to you for uh, taking the time out of your day to join from the future. Um, yep. And uh, we hope to uh, touch base with you at some point to uh, get an update on how things unfold as the borders open up um, and things get a little bit more back to normal for everyone around the world. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks both. Um, I really enjoyed this and uh, we should definitely do it again. Cool.